This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. living in Christ. Your work should be living. Everything you do glorifies God. If you can remember this phrase, this would probably help you. A workless faith is a worthless faith. A workless faith is a worthless faith. So we now need to examine our lives. I tell you, the book of James is going to hit you hard. <laughs> I mean, I still felt it from the last time I, I taught it several years ago. Does every aspect, every area, every hidden and unsaid thing you do truly glorify God? In today's message, Pastor Eddie will encourage you to stop and ask yourself that question. Do I live every single part of my life for the glory of God? That's a tough question because we are people. We make mistakes upon mistakes. But we need to be actively pursuing the Lord so that our lives can look just 1% better and more like Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 2, as he continues his message, Faith Without Works is Dead. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says this, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your Good works. And what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Do you see where James is coming from? It's also from the words of our Lord and Savior. Is your light shining? Is the works of your faith shining before the world where they can see your good work, where they can see the fruit of a real genuine Christian in faith, where they're able now to glorify God and most importantly, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior? Now, I know you heard, probably heard this phrase before, you know, that you are the Bible the world reads. By the way you live, you know, I kind of I agree with it, but I don't, you know, stick to that kind of phrase, that, that, that little cliche, because we need the word of God. We need the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Okay, because you'll have people who say, well, you know, I don't share the Bible. I don't share about Jesus, but I think my life is good enough to show that I'm a Christian. You see how people can take that to one, extreme, one extent? No, you need to share the gospel. But obviously, you need to have a good testimony. You're representing Christ. And so this work that, we, uh, that James is referring to is the evidence that you have a genuine faith in Jesus Christ, that you are a Christian. So he says, what does it profit? Christian, brothers, sisters in Christ. What does it profit if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can your faith lead others to Christ? Can your faith save anyone, him or her, anyone? That is the question. Now, in verses 15 and 16, James gives us an illustration, an illustration of one who's unprofitable, a faith that, that is without works. Let's look at verses 15 and 16. He said, if a brother or sister, again, see, he's referring to the church, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, 
One of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? That word profit again. Now, unlike today, I mean, we don't, we don't have a poor problem in America. The poorest people in America, the poorest person, and if you can find that person, is considered a millionaire compared to those in third world countries, okay? During the time when James wrote this letter, right, uh, you know, people had only one garment. They wore the same clothes every day. Only if you were wealthy, you probably had two or three. But that w- here, he's talking about brother, sister in Christ, and he describes this person as naked. Naked. You may say that's extreme. No, that's what it is. I looked at the Greek word, so it doesn't change. It's, it's the same thing we would think, consider it in English. It's naked. Or at the very least, the very, very least, the little piece of material he has on his body is to cover himself. That's a brother, sister in Christ. And it comes, when he, now he's talking about food. He's destitute of daily food. How many times do we eat a day? Like me, sometimes four or five. But three meals a day, we're talking about 21 meals for the week. This person is almost without food. And then someone like this is in the body of Christ or someone in, in need of something else. And always say to the brother and sister, oh, God bless you. Have a great day. Go put on some clothes and have a good meal. And you did nothing? And you did nothing? Hmm. Your words are worthless. What you just said to that person means absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, it's probably even worse that somebody will probably degrade them with other words. Knowing their needs and you think your word is going to put clothes on them or feed them. This caring of the family or uh, one another wasn't only a New Testament teaching, but it was also in the Old Testament. As far as back as the book, the book of Deuteronomy. This is something that God had told the children of Israel in the same way that James tells us. God said to the children of Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. He says, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him, willingly lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever his needs. So this is not just a New Testament teaching. The same God that was in the beginning, right? The beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It's the same God we serve now. Okay? And that is the teaching of our Lord. Paul goes on to tell, write to the church of Galatia in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. So to all people, but here it is, especially those who are in the household of faith, the body of Christ. We're to help all people, whether they're a part of us as the family of Christ or those outside. We're to help this is, this is true Christianity. This is the heart of God. And can you imagine the testimony that we could send out to those who don't believe in Christ, that those who have this negative uh, view of church today, when they can see that the church of Christ is caring for one another, loving one another, 
feeding one another, helping out. You know, I'm so blessed to hear how some of the guys here, they always get together and you say, oh, we went down to this brother's house and we helped him cut down a tree or we helped this person move or we helped them with, and you just, I just hear it over and over again. And I can only imagine, I'm so blessed by hearing that. I can only imagine how it moves the heart of God. But more importantly, it's not for us to show anything, but God gets the glory because the world sees that. The world sees that we love one another enough to care, to go out our way for one another. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35. He said this, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so after giving us that illustration, James goes on to say in verse 17, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, let's, let's ponder that for a little bit. How, how many of us could say, yeah, we're born again. We love Jesus. We're Christians. We've been Christian for maybe a year, five years, 20, 30, 50 years. And how many of us can say, yes, that we can say that our faith produce that kind of work of loving one another to the point where we're sharing the gospel. You know, I always think about my life. It's not here. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here for myself. I'm here, number one, for the Lord. And I want to, when I stand before, I want to hear the Lord say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to hear the Lord say, because you let your light so shine, and because of your good works, many have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can we actually examine ourselves and say that, yes, this is true. Not only do I have faith, but I have the works to back it up. It's not for the sake of getting works to try to score points, but it should be evident in your life that you're a Christian by the life you live. So he goes on to say that Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And could picture James really, not only writing this, just don't ever think. I like to think outside the box. Don't think that this is the first time James actually spoke of these words, just by writing it. And then he puts it away. And it's been put in the canon of scriptures, and 2,000 years later, we're opening up this page. No, this is something that James probably preached. He didn't only just write it down. Matter of fact, I, I, I know that because this is what he mentions three times in this passage. He said, faith without works is dead. Drop down to verse 20. Look at verse 20. He says, oh, foolish man, faith without works is dead. Now drop down to verse 26. Faith without works is dead. Do you get the idea that faith without works is dead? Yes. It's dead. It means nothing. And what he means by dead here in the Greek means it's useless, ineffective, powerless. As opposed, as opposed to living, effective, vibrant faith. You're living in Christ. Your work should be living. Everything you do glorifies God. If you can remember this phrase, this would probably help you. A workless faith is a worthless faith. A workless faith is a worthless faith. So we now need to examine our lives. I tell you, the book of James is going to hit you hard. 
<laughs> I mean, I still felt it from the last time I, I taught it several years ago. And now some of the scars are resurfacing. <laughs> I mean, he's in your face. Listen, are you a real Christian? Show me. Show me. And that's what he's going to ask now. Just in case you have that person that all of a sudden becomes a scholar because he doesn't want to do any works, right? You have that. Just in case a person wants to separate faith and works, James addresses that. Let's look at verse 18. He says this, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. People will say, well, we all have faith, but you may have the gift of feeding the homeless. You may have the gift of doing worship. You may have the gift of serving in the children's ministry. You may have the gift of evangelism. You may have the gift of interpreting scripture. No, James is saying they don't separate. They go together. Faith and works works hand in hand. You cannot separate the two. Real, genuine faith, it shows. It will be fruitful. It can be seen. People witness that. So that's why he said, I will show you my faith by my works. You see, no one can see your faith unless you put your faith into action, unless they see the work. No one's going to look at you, oh, wait a minute, I, I never met you before. You have faith. I don't know how you know that. I don't know. Just guessing. I could be in the middle of a crowd, right? I go to another country, nobody knows me. I could be in the middle of the crowd. It could be hundreds of thousands of people see me. And let's say I'm just in the middle of the heart of the crowd and I do my impersonation of a hot dog. Some of you got it, some of you did. That's okay. This is my, this is my I'm impersonating a hot dog. Okay, anyway. So they say, wait a minute, you look like a hot dog. But guess what? You have faith. How do you know? I'm, I look like a hot dog. Right? But, you know, and that's what, you know, no one can see that you have faith. They will know you have faith by your action, by your works. You see? It's by how you live your life. What are you doing? You're ministering to the people around you, people at, your, at work, ministering to people in your family, your neighbors, letting them know that you're, uh, you love Jesus. Okay? So it's not, okay, I can see you have faith. How do I, how do, how do I see that? By your works. Now, Verse 19 is going to hit us hard, okay? Look at verse 19. Look what he says. You believe that there is a one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. That is the most hardest verse <laughs> that, I, that, that you can read in the book of James. I mean, like, wow. Think about it. He's really hitting us with a left and right here. Because what he's saying is that you believe in God? So what? That's great. You believe in God. Demons believe. There's not a demon in the whole entire spiritual realm, from the time of creation, all the falling angels with Lucifer, till today, they're all still there, right? Every day in the billions. There's not one demon that's an atheist or agnostic. They all believe in God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and they believe in the Holy Spirit. And here's a sad fact, okay? I hope you have your seatbelts on. Sadly, demons know about God than you do. They have more accurate belief of who God is, orthodox, they, they believe who God is more than Christians. 
They believe to the point, and it says here, they tremble. That word tremble in the Greek is to shudder. means to tremble convulsively with fear. It's not like, oh, you scare me, Lord. No, convulsively with fear. You remember when Jesus went to the other side of Galilee and the demons came out and they says, Jesus, why have you come before, come to torment us before time? In other words, you didn't go to the cross yet. Are you going to torment us now? They feared Jesus. The question is, do we know God enough that we have a fear, a godly fear? That's why Proverbs says the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom, yes. So there's not a demon, there's an atheist. They believe the deity of God. They believe in the Trinity. They believe in his return. They believe in the existence of God, so much so that they tremble. Even though they believe, however, they do not love God, they do not submit to God, and they're very disobedient, right? So that's the difference. Plus, they're spirits. God did not die for spirits, okay? What happens to angels? The Bible doesn't say when God created them, but we know they're created beings. They're spirit angelic beings, but God didn't create the angels out of his image. Who did he create out of his glorious image? You and I, man. He died for man. He didn't die for angels, whether they're good angels or bad angels. The reality is, do you believe in God enough that you tremble? So he's putting this all in perspective that, yeah, you have faith. You believe in God. So the demons, they do. They they tremble. But do you believe enough where there is evidence that you have faith in God? And that is by your works. Okay? Now, James is going to kick it up a notch. Let's look at verse 20. He says, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So a person who who separates faith and works is one who is foolish. In other words, that person is hollow or empty-headed. Bottom line, what James is trying to say here in verses 14 to 20 is that faith without works is dead. We already know. We got it clear. There's not a faith unto salvation, but there's nothing we can do to be saved. It's Jesus done that work on the cross already to say that we have to do anything extra In addition to the cross, that's like a crime. That's like blasphemous, you know? It's to say, Jesus, you didn't do the you didn't do the job right. Oh, you didn't finish. He said, Telestai. He says, Telestai. It is finished. He didn't say, okay, I got us this far. You take it from here. The complete work of salvation, Christ has done. So we have faith in him, Christ dying for us. But now that faith continues on, and that's the faith that James is talking about. Faith without works is dead. Amen? Amen. Now let's look at verses 21 to 26. James is going to give us some great examples of some Old Testament saints who displayed great faith and works. And one is a Jew named Abraham. One is a Gentile female, a harlot named Rahab. Okay, let's look at the example he gives. He first begins with Abraham. Look at verse 21. He says, Was not Abraham my father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? So James takes us back to Genesis, in Genesis 22, uh, when the Lord told Abraham, Abraham, you know Isaac, your son, who's like 30 years old, don't ever think of that picture if they ever paint little baby Jacob. No. Yeah, yeah. 
Isaac, I said Jacob, Isaac, and, and you know, we're talking about he's 30 years old. So you can see how some of the early, you know, believers in the Bible, they need therapy. Think about somebody tying you up and want to kill you. It's my father. He wants to kill me. But just think about that. And so Abraham waited 80 years to have a son. He had his son when he was 100 years old. His wife, Sarai, was 90. And after waiting all this year, God gave him a son. And the Lord said, you know that son you waited for almost 100 years? Well, yeah, I want you to go up to the Mount Moriah and just crucify him there. You know, just sacrifice him. And Abraham faithfully went up there. And then when he was, about, he was about to be tested, in Genesis 22, verse 2, it says, and he, speaking of the Lord, he said, take now your son, your only son, this is whom you love, the first time in the Bible the word only son, and love is mentioned in the Bible. And it brings you back to John 3.16, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. That's Calvary right there. So the Lord told Abraham to go to Mount Moriah. That's the same place, Calvary, where Christ was crucified later on. And it says, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will which I shall tell you. So Abraham goes up there, is faithful to do it, right? And just about when he's about to strike his son Isaac with the knife, look what, look what happened. The Lord comes in in Genesis 22, verses 11 to 12. It says, but the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So Abraham's obedience here shows that his faith was true, genuine faith because of his works, to be obedient to the Lord. Keep in mind that Abraham was justified years ago before Isaac. He was justified. So in other words, he, he had a belief, he had a faith in God. Okay, before this took place, let's look at verses 22 and 23. He says, James writes, do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. No, you know, we've been renewed day by day as a believer. We're being tested. We're being tried. And that's how, you know, he continues on. And, and Abraham faith was being perfected verse 23 and the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God can you imagine being called the friend of God verse 24 say you see then that a man is justified by his work not by faith only Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? We've learned some great truths about authentic and passionate confidence in God that transcends all the ugly sin in this world and our own selves. We pray that God's Word has touched your heart today and motivated you to continue in the good fight of faith. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com 
and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Would you prayerfully consider donating to this ministry with your finances? Your giving of any size is appreciated more than we can say. If you're able and the Lord is leading you, you'll find a Give tab on our homepage, runningtheraceradio.com. As we're working hard to put the message of Jesus into as many ears as we can, we acknowledge that we can't do it alone. So please pray for open hearts to receive Jesus. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you, so make sure to come back again for more here on Running the Race.